In the name of God Almighty, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Some years ago, while living in Waco, Texas, I took a short trip and stepped into another world. Austin, Texas is in itself a world very different from what I had become used to in the real heart of Texas. I, only, I not only went to Austin, but I attended the 10-day music, film, and interactive festival known as South by Southwest. Thousands of musicians and hundreds of bands come from the four corners of the globe to showcase their craft in almost 100 different venues, while others flock into town to view a myriad of movies created by independent filmmakers. There are computer nerds who come numbering, and I guess would be called the gigabytes of, of people, to attend workshops and discussion groups concerning the latest in emerging technologies. Downtown Austin was like Mardi Gras. 6th Street was filled with people even at 2 o'clock in the morning. But then again, some of the films and the musical acts did not begin until midnight. Like I said, it was, it was a world that was very different from what I was used to. Now the keynote speaker for the music portion of the festival was the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen. And I managed to get a seat in the second row, about 20 feet from this music icon, as he told his story of how music not only shaped his life, but I dare say may very well have saved his life. I'm no Bruce Springsteen expert or mega fan. Other than Born to Run and 10th Avenue Freeze Out, Born in the USA, I'd be hard pressed to name any of his other hits. So I listened to him. I listened to him describe how the songs of Hank Williams and Woody Guthrie, and Roy Orbison and Eric Burden and the Animals gave words to the emotions that he felt as a young teenager in the 1960s trying to make sense of a world in the midst of great change. Change that came at a very high price as a nation was forced to examine so many of its beliefs and attitudes and traditions. Even as someone who has experienced a level of celebrity that only few can claim, it was clear that Springsteen was in so many ways no different than you and me. It was in the things that he only briefly mentioned, sparing details, that gave me the impression that for all of the confidence that this man exudes in front of a crowd, he's still as vulnerable as that 12-year-old boy who found a voice for his confusion in music that told of sadness and disappointment and the bitter pain of being human. Now, one of the most interesting things of the festival was not found in the music nor in the films. It was the people all ages and sizes, some tattooed, some clear-skinned, some with limited mobility and others were physically fit, some with lots of money to spend and others who just slept in their cars. In other words, the streets were filled with God's children. And they all came into one place at a particular time for a common purpose. 
something about music, movies, and technology helps these people to express an inner passion in a way that they simply have no other way to express. And it'd be easy to categorize these people attending such an event as being on a quest to fulfill only their desires and their pleasures. But I believe that would be wrong. Now, all of the registrants wear name badges that give them access to the events of the festival. Along with the registrant's name, the name of the registrant's employer is also included. Now, mine, of course, at that time said St. Francis Episcopal Church. And that in itself was quite a conversation starter. I was asked by several individuals what I did there at St. Francis. And then I had this privilege, the privilege of listening to their stories. For some, I apparently personified a safe place to ask questions regarding their faith and spirituality. Questions that I expect some have had for a long time. And while enjoying a glass of wine with my daughter Caroline, who worked for South by Southwest, I had a wonderful conversation with a young lady seated at the table with us who was a lapsed Episcopalian engaged to a Roman Catholic man. And she wanted to become regular in Sunday worship and to participate in a local church. And she was struggling. She was struggling with the question of how she and her future husband would engage in a church community that most closely expressed their faith. This issue was so important to her that she asked me, this stranger, she asked me to provide pre-marriage counseling to her and her fiancé. In addition to their planning to share the rest of their lives together, these two young persons shared a common purpose in seeking how they can express the faith that was sealed inside them as children and had been suppressed by the lack of a voice to appropriately express that faith. Now, as the Israelites became disenchanted on their journey of newfound freedom, their faith in God began to falter. Their challenges were valid, to be sure, for they were without water and did not enjoy the miserable food. Their original common purpose of coming together as God's own chosen people was evaporating just as surely as does a drop of water in the desert. Their focus had shifted from giving thanks to God for saving them from the cruelty of slavery to speaking harshly against God and about God's own emissary, Moses. As a reminder of who held their salvation in his hand, God sent venomous snakes among them who killed many Israelites. Then a new common purpose arose, and that was to beg Moses to ask God to remove the serpents. Now God, of course, could have simply removed the snakes, believing that the people had learned their lesson and would sin no more. But instead, God left the snakes and had Moses make a figure of a snake and put it on top of a pole. 
And whenever someone was bitten by a snake, they could gaze upon this statue and live. God knew all too well the weakness of human resolve. Throughout their journey, the Israelites seemed to forget that God had always provided what they needed. They forgot again and again. They turned against God when they were confronted with challenges rather than relying on God's fidelity to the covenant that he had made with them. And so by leaving the poisonous snakes among the Israelites, they would be reminded again and again of the saving grace that God gave to them when he made a covenant that they would be his people and he would be their God. We hear again about Moses' serpent on a pole in the very first line of today's gospel when John writes, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him <clears throat> may have eternal life. God sent Jesus to convey the establishment of a new covenant, a covenant that the entire world was invited to be a part of. Jesus calls all people together for a common purpose, to live in faith of an eternal life with God, where there is no pain and there is no fear. Now, I believe that most of us remember times in our lives when our faith in God was so sure it felt tangible. I also believe that most of us, at times, have felt that same faith sort of slip into the background when it had become eclipsed by either triumphs that led us to feel self-sufficient or by challenges that overwhelmed us as we tried to overcome them all on our own, perhaps even blaming God for our misfortunes. And so just as the Israelites needed a serpent on a pole to reorient them toward God, we need Jesus Christ. We need Jesus to stand as our light post, illuminating God's love for us and God's presence among us to renew our common purpose when we turn away from a covenant of the greatest love that can ever be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Bruce Springsteen found a common voice with which to express himself in music. South by Southwest filmgoers found their common expressions, expressions in music, film, and technology. And while a young bride-to-be and her fiancé sought their common voice to express their faith in Jesus, they already shared a common purpose. And our common purpose is the same as theirs. You see, Jesus is the voice by which we express our common purpose of faith. It's what brings us together here in worship it's what sends us out into the world to love and to serve God by loving and serving all others. Jesus gives us the voice that asks God 
to forgive, to forgive us, to forgive us when we have given in to our weaknesses. And Jesus gives us the voice to thank God in every minute of our lives, each one of those minutes filled with the knowledge that we are loved and that we will always, always be loved. Even when we turn away from God, God's love is poured down upon us in Jesus. In Jesus, the one who gave his life so that we may share in a common purpose of faith. A common purpose of bringing salvation to a broken world. And most of all, Jesus gave his life that we may share in his divine purpose of love in this life and in the eternal life that Jesus has made possible for you and for you and for you and for me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.